And then there was Job. When his world collapsed, we all thought that it was purely the work of the devil. No, God was in total control. We read at the end of his story that his earthly brothers and sisters, uh, Job 42, ate bread with him in his house and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought upon him. So the prophet Isaiah wrote, chapter 45, I am the Lord and there is no other, the one forming light and creating darkness causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. So to the prophet Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 3. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? And then there was Jesus. When betrayed by one of his own men, while the rest of his men fled for their lives, he was still in total control. When unjustly tried and condemned to die in the manner of the most heinous of criminals, he was still in total control. Job would have concurred as he prayed. Chapter 42, verse 2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So the psalmist would have also concurred. Psalm 115, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. The betrayal, the arrest, the trials, the mocking, the execution, each abuse of justice foisted upon the Lord Jesus was predestined to occur. And in all of these things, God's noble, glorious, eternally scripted purpose came to fruition the redemption of sinners. Indeed, Jesus was in total control. This morning we are once again in John chapter 18. For the last couple of uh, times together, we have spent time in this chapter detailing that time when Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. We spent time talking last week about Jesus' uh, religious trial, and I put that in air quotes, before Annas, the high priest. Now you remember if you were with us last week, this particular incident when Jesus stood before the high priest, the former high priest, Annas, this is the only place where we read about it. The other three 
gospel writers, we call them the synoptic gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they detail that trial that Jesus endured before Caiaphas, the official high priest. That particular incident in Matthew, Mark, and Luke was um, well circulated by the time that John wrote his epistle. His was the last. And we call his the, the supplemental gospel because he's giving us other information that the other gospel writers didn't give us. There's so much that he could have included. John doesn't include the trial that Jesus endured before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court. Rather, he gives us detailed information about this trial, so-called trial, that Jesus endures before Annas, the former high priest. Annas was simply looking for dirt. He, he was looking for an excuse. He, he was looking for a, a way to, to make sure that the Jews were able to put Jesus away once and for all. In John chapter 18, verse 24, we, we read that Annas sent Jesus bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And in verse 28, we find that they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium to visit with the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. John doesn't take the time to detail anything regarding this trial that Jesus endured with Caiaphas. He simply mentions that he went there and he left. But there's benefit in us for us to uh, summarize in brief what happened in that trial that Jesus endured. I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 for just a moment. And look at verse 59, Matthew chapter 26, verse 59. Now the chief priests and the whole council, the Sanhedrin, kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. False witnesses, false tense testimony, false charges. Turn over to Mark chapter 14, verse 56. For many were giving false testimony against him, but their testimony was not consistent. Some stood up and began to give false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. Not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. Verse 61. Caiaphas gave up this false testimony from false witnesses approach. And he, said, he again questioned Jesus saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? 
And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Now you know this to be true. If you state something as truth, and it's not, not true, then it's the truth. In other words, if Jesus says, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, and he's not lying, he's not fabricating anything, he, he's not blaspheming, no, he's telling the truth. But these religious leaders were not interested in the truth. They were interested in protecting what was theirs. And not only did Annas, the former high priest, take a hit in his wallet every time Jesus walked into Jerusalem and cleansed the temple or the uh, we, we cleansed, cleansed the temple of the bazaar of Annas, his marketplace. So the religious leaders felt it when Jesus walked into town because the people were looking to him and were no longer looking to them. They were looking, they, they were losing power, they were losing influence because of Jesus. They were looking to protect their own. So they wanted Jesus gone. The gavel sounded. Jesus was declared a blasphemer and condemned, condemned to die. Leviticus chapter 24 tells us that that person guilty of blasphemy must be executed. So now to our text this morning in John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore, Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke 
signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore, Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. I divided my message this morning into two sections. The accusation and the confrontation. The first is primarily a discussion between Pilate and the religious leaders, the second between Pilate and Jesus. Verse 28 begins that the religious leaders, temple police, curious bystanders, led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. We don't know what early is exactly. Um, it would have been probably at daybreak. Now, the Roman governor, Pilate, would have normally had his residence and, and, and headquarters in Caesarea on the coast. But particularly at high-profile times, and feasts were one of those high-profile times, he, he would have spent time in Jerusalem. And he would have been in the Praetorium. That was the, the residence built by King Herod years prior. That was where he lived, and that was where he operated. He would have been open for business, if you will, at daybreak. So we're talking six, seven o'clock in the morning, maybe. And here are these, these religious leaders and bystanders, maybe temple police, probably, all of these people coming in mass, possibly hundreds of people, coming to the praetorium 
to present Jesus to this Roman governor. And it was early. I want to make two notes regarding uh, Jewish law. First is, there was to be no trial at night for a capital offense. Secondly, if a criminal was condemned, convicted of a capital offense, the sentencing had to be done on the subsequent day. All of this put together, when John says it was early, we realize that the Roman, or the Jewish leaders were not interested in fulfilling their law. It says that they, at the end of verse 28, that they did not enter the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Now, I need to explain something of, of uh, the Jewish culture at this point. There was for um, centuries an oral tradition that the rabbis passed down. And in the second century AD, there was finally published a book that recorded this oral tradition called the Mishnah. It's sometime, the Mishnah is sometimes called the oral Torah. It had the same weight, the same authority, the same value in the mind of a good Jew as did the Torah. It was that important. Written by men, no less, but having the, the same importance and weight and authority of the Old Testament Torah. Now the Mishnah says, and I quote, the dwelling places of Gentiles are unclean, unquote. Nick read from Acts chapter 10 about Peter's hesitation just this morning. He read about Peter's hesitation to go into the home of Cornelius, a Gentile. Why? Because of the Mishnah. Because, actually the Mishnah hadn't been written, because of the oral tradition. It was as important as a thus saith the Lord, even though it was a man-made law. Here's the bottom line. The Jews accusing Jesus, bringing Jesus to Peter, refused to go into the praetorium lest they be defiled, oral tradition, the dwelling places of Gentiles are unclean. Because if they were defiled, they could not eat the Passover meal that night. In other words, 
having dinner for these religious leaders was more important than preserving uh, preserving life and ensuring that righteousness took place. Nevertheless, Jesus was in total control. Therefore, Peter, Peter, Pilate went out to them, verse 29, and he said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Fair question. You would kind of expect that he would say this. Now, the religious leaders had their, their card in hand. It, 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 it said, um, he's guilty, guilty of blasphemy. But they knew something. They knew that the Romans could care less about a charge of blasphemy. In the eyes of the Romans, that's not a capital offense. Nothing worthy of death. Pilate asks, what accusation do you bring against this man? Verse 30, the religious leaders don't have an answer for that. They don't have an answer for this very reason. Pilate had given them military muscle earlier the night before. The religious leaders had requested Roman soldiers to go to this garden and arrest this criminal named Jesus. And Pilate said, okay, you can have these men. And these men went with the temple police, the Jewish police force, if you will, and together they went and arrested Jesus. Now because Pilate had given them this military muscle, they assumed that Pilate would rubber stamp their desire to do away with Jesus. So they really didn't expect Pilate to ask the question, what accusation do you bring against this man? They were caught a little flat-footed. They didn't have a specific answer to give him, and so they weeble-wobbled their way around the question. If this man were not an evildoer, Mr. Governor, we would not have delivered him to you. We would not have wasted our time, wasted your time. Kind Mr. Governor, would you look around you and see you have a couple of hundred people. You have the entire Jewish Supreme Court here. It's early in the morning. It's still cold. Why would we get up at this hour if the one we are presenting to you 
we're not a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad, evil, wicked, rotten to the core kind of criminal. This man is worthy of death. Pilate knew they were blowing smoke in his face. And he called them on it. He knew what they wanted. He's not dumb. <laughs> and he played this little power game with them. Verse 31. Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. Well, they had already done this, even though it wasn't fair judgment. It wasn't really a trial. Um, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a, a, a mess in terms of the circumstances of how all this came to be. Pilate knew that if they wanted Jesus to be executed like they wanted him to be executed, they would have to come through him. And he was taking advantage of the situation so that they would grovel and beg and recognize his supreme authority in Israel. Middle of verse 31, the Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Now, there's a lot of scholarly debate over whether the Jews could or could not um, uh, deliver a, a, a sentence of death. Um, now, now, those that say that they, they did have that capability point to Acts chapter 7, where um, Stephen is stoned. But in all fairness, that is not uh, representative of a, of a fair trial by any stretch of the imagination. That's more like a mob lynching. What was transpiring here is that the Jews wanted Jesus to be put to death in a particular way. Leviticus 24 verse 16 tells us that one who is guilty of blasphemy is to die by stoning. They didn't want Jesus to be stoned. They wanted him executed to be sure, but they didn't want him to die by stoning. They wanted him to die by crucifixion. And we know that by John's comment in verse 32. To fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Jesus prophesied, John chapter 3, John chapter 8, John chapter 12, he prophesied that he would be lifted up in death. It's a picture of Jesus being placed on a tree, if you will, 
on, a, on an execution stake where he would die. Now you have to know what Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 23 says. Here it is. He who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. This is why the Jews wanted Jesus to be crucified. They wanted Jesus to be viewed in the eyes of the public as the cursed of God. They were, the religious leaders were intoxicated with hatred for Jesus. They didn't just want to humiliate him. They wanted him to be the curse of God. And they wanted all the people to recognize that Jesus was the curse of God. So they wanted him to die in a way only Romans could cause him to die by means of crucifixion. Even in this, even in the manner of his death, Jesus was in total control. He wanted the religious leaders, he wanted the public to understand that he was the curse of God. What? Yes. He was to bear sin. He was to become sin. Isaiah 53, we read that the suffering servant, Messiah, would be smitten by the Father. Verse 6, he would bear iniquity. Verse 10, he would be crushed by the Father and rendered as a guilt offering. Yeah, Jesus would be the curse of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, He, speaking of the Father, made Him, who is the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. In all things, Jesus was in total control. Second page of your notes. Verse 33, so, so Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus. Now, out of, out of deference to the Jews and, and their unwillingness to come into the praetorium, into his governmental building, he went out to them. He stood in the cold in the early morning light and he interacted with the religious leaders 
They were being coy with him. He pressed them before he stepped back into the praetorium. He pressed them with, what are the charges? That's very fair. Luke records for us what they said. Yes, they did have uh, this charge of blasphemy on the official card. This is, this is what, uh, what condemned Jesus in the eyes of the Jews, but they knew that th that wasn't going to hold water for Pilate. Luke says this in chapter 23, verse 2. They began to accuse him, quote, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and so showing, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. There's the three accusations. They finally deliver to Pilate. They're simply trying to put, put something down. And these are, these are what the false teachers or the false um, witnesses were, were saying. He's misleading our nation, forbidding paying, payment of taxes, saying that he himself is Christ, Messiah, a king. More smoke in Pilate's face, but he saw through that. He takes a look at Jesus. He's no dummy. He's heard of him. And the charge is insurrection, tax evasion. Well, none of, neither of these two charges are, are, are of interest to Pilate. But the third is of interest to him. He's accused of proclaiming himself to be a king. Okay, back in our text. Pilate enters the praetorium again, summons Jesus, and he asks him this question. All four gospel writers include this as Pilate's first question to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now the pronoun you in the original text is in the emphatic position. All that means is that we, we emphasize the word you. And we might render it in English like this. You. You say... Or, or it's a question. You are the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Now, Jesus is not being coy. He's not uh, beating around the bush. Uh, he's not simply asking or answering the question with, a, with another question, he's, he's probing Pilate's heart and his motivations. And he asks the question simply, are you asking me this question whether I am king of the Jews 
because you're a Roman or because you have heard from Jews that this is my claim. In other words, if you were asking me, Pilate, whether I am a king that is going to um, stand against Caesar, no, I'm not that guy. If you were asking me if I am the Messiah, the long-awaited, anointed one of God, then the answer is yes. If you are asking me, Pilate, if I am, as the Jews say, I am Christ, a king, then the answer is no. But if you are asking me, as you just did, am I Christ, the king of the Jews, then the answer is yes. He's probing Pilate's heart. Where do you stand, Mr. Governor? What are you really asking me? Pilate answers with indignation. I am not a Jew, am I? Meaning, I, I, I don't really care about this God talk that you guys uh, spend, spend your, your, your time talking about. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested in this Messiah stuff. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just not inter interested in all of that. It's, it's rather irrelevant, really. And then, he's, then he makes uh, this statement, your, your own nation and, and the chief priests have delivered you to me. So Jesus, <laughs> you, you've obviously ticked, ticked these people off. So, so, so what gives? What did you do to make them so angry? They're all standing outside of my, my quarters here. There's, there's hundreds of them. And they're livid. They want your hide. What'd you do? Jesus stays on topic. The topic of him being king. Because sinners need to understand who Jesus is. Jesus answers, verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Now, when we use the word kingdom, dictionary definition, popular usage, we're referring to a territory or a group of people under the rulership of the one called the king. Now, in Pilate's experience, 
everyone who is a king has both. There is a territory, there is a, a region where they have uh, authority, where their rule is law, and they have people that live in that territory that must submit to the king. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is different than anything you have ever seen, experienced, or, have, or can even imagine. For Jesus does indeed have people that are under his authority as the king, but he has no territory yet. He will, but not at this time. And it's that aspect of kingdomness that Pilate just can't wrap his mind around. How, how can you be a king and, and not have a, a realm over which you rule in, in this world? Well, his kingdom is not of this world. So therefore, verse 37, Pilate says to him, So you are a king. He's looking at Jesus. He's, he's not a military leader. He, he's not dressed in robes and riches. He looks like a commoner. Oh, he speaks quite differently. But he looks like an ordinary, average kind of guy. He doesn't look like a military leader. Pilate is struggling to understand how can this guy be a king? So Jesus answers him. You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now this last portion of verse 37 is tremendously important. And Jesus here reveals no less than five aspects of himself being king and what his kingdom is like. Might want to jot some notes. First, Jesus affirms that he is a king. Now, the fact that Pilate can't fully grasp what that means doesn't negate the reality of Jesus being king. And even though Jesus is the king, from elsewhere in Scripture, we would affirm that he is the king of all kings. That is a true statement. But Jesus knows that he's talking to a mixed up, confused, unknowing, unspiritual, pagan monarch, uh, ruler, not a monarch, governor. So he, he speaks in the kind of language Pilate would understand. Yes, I'm a king. So first of all, 
Jesus affirms that he is a king. Secondly, he affirms that he was born a king. For this I have been born. And thirdly, he affirms that he has always been a king. Now let me put the pause button here and simply note um, a, a theological sidebar. Here Jesus opens up, doesn't expand, but opens up to ginormous theological truths regarding his kingship. And it has to do with his incarnation and his eternality. Jesus says, he was born a king in his incarnation. Jesus didn't give up being God. He simply added to his being manness. And not just any man. He is man in the divine king. Further, Jesus has always been king. From eternity past, he has always been king. You correctly say that I am king, for this I have been, been, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world as the king. Now, Jesus could have used other language. He could have said that he is the Son of God, he is the Son of Man, he is the great I Am. Um, uh, he, he, he's, he's using language that Pilate would understand. I am a king from eternity past. And even now, the one standing before you is king. fourth truth we can affirm from uh, this verse regarding the nature of Jesus as a king and his kingdom is that he came to testify with both his words and his works this truth that he is not just the king but that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, ruler, the authority. The buck stops with Jesus. He is the king of all kings. And he came to testify, to uh, make known to fallen man that he is the great king. And fifth, finally, everyone who hears and heeds this truth, who is transformed by this truth, these are the ones who hear and follow Christ. 
though, though this isn't your typical um, uh, invitation at the, at the end of a church service, it, it is a call to Pilate to repent and believe and submit to Jesus, who is the king of all kings. It's a call for him to bow. Now, in credit to Pilate, he understands, not a lot, but he understands this, that regarding the charges that the, the religious leaders brought against Jesus, they are bogus. And to his credit, he understands this man is innocent. Verse 38, I find no guilt in him. However, this was his failure. He didn't take that to the legal and moral conclusion that he had to come to. That Jesus be released. That Jesus be treated with honor, dignity, respect. That he preserve his life. That didn't happen. That will be the subject of one of the subjects we will discuss next Lord's week, Lord's Day next next week, Lord willing. Um, by way of uh, by way of conclusion, I draw your attention to Acts chapter four. The disciples, having begun to experience persecution from these same religious leaders that condemned Jesus. The religious, or the, uh, the, the believers prayed this prayer, and it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 27. Truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, as they're praying to the Father, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. You see, in every aspect of what Jesus endured, the injustice, the abuse, in everything, Jesus remained in total control. Nothing happened on a whim. Jesus was not surprised by anything that happened. One commentator noted, quote, God's sway extends from parliaments and war departments to doorknobs and phone calls and parking places of life. God is in total control of your life as well as mine, as well as Jesus. Please do not be dismissive of God's work and act 
like Pilate did, but instead, bend your heart, bend your will to serve, to submit to the King of Kings. Repent, believe, submit. I put this quote by Andrew Murray in your notes. Let me say, I am here, one, by God's appointment, two, in his keeping, three, under his training, and four, for his time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are in control of the circumstances of our life. Oh, how we will chafe under that because we can't see it. We can't understand all that you are doing. But Almighty God, as we read the Scriptures, we see with clarity that you have ordained with everything that that took place in Jesus' life, in Job's life. We see the, the theme of your sovereign rule over and over again through the pages of Scripture. We thank you for that affirmation. We pray that you would give us faith to believe, to trust, to walk with you, especially in those dark times when we cannot see your hand at work. In the name of the Savior do we pray. Amen.